Well, there are just two weeks left in our season of story and sabbatical, and as Andrea mentioned in the video this morning, Pastor Brian will be returning on April 10th. He decided to come back. We're excited to have him back, but I am just as excited to be able to introduce today's guest preacher. Reverend Dr. Derek Weber has pastored churches in Elkhart, Fort Wayne, and Indianapolis, and been in ministry in Great Britain and Scotland. Since 2019, he has been the director of preaching ministries with discipleship ministries of the United Methodist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and he was also the keynote speaker at Senior High Institute in the summer of 2001, the first year that I ever attended church camp. Would you please join me in welcoming Reverend Dr. Derek Weber? Amen. <laughs> 2001 sounds like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Oh my goodness, what a joy it is to be here with you in this amazing church, in this amazing celebration that we're a part of today. I am so honored, thrilled to get the invitation to come and be a part of, of worship here at Clay Church, so thank you for your hospitality. I have been welcomed from the moment I was invited to come. Uh, Debbie sent me email after email just telling me how welcome uh, I was and giving me all the stuff that I needed and and it was just it was just and, and then to get here and find out that you put on a blizzard for me I appreciate that <laughs> I moved I moved to Nashville a couple of years ago the blood thins even though I'm an Indiana boy it's just it it's cold today. I was, I was watching one of the scouts wearing shorts today. I'm thinking, young man, come on. I mean, it's just, I was cold just looking at him. He probably says, no big deal. I was fine. But I was, I've been welcomed all the way. Welcome by email. Welcome on the phone. Welcomed when I got here. Welcomed in the hotel room. They gave me a gift basket. My gosh, a gift basket with all kinds of snacks in it. My son ate most of them. I know I shouldn't have brought him along, but um, it even had a stuffed baby Jesus in it. I almost brought that just to show you. How often do you get a stuffed baby Jesus? I just, I thought that was great. <laughs> Although it took me a minute to figure out what it was. It's just this little, I thought it was a dog toy, but I'm not giving baby Jesus to my dog, you know. It's, I do have one complaint, however, in all the welcoming they needed to be a little more directive. I kept asking questions, and their answer was always, whatever you want, whatever you want. What should I wear? Whatever you want. I brought a bathrobe and fuzzy pink slippers just to test that, <laughs> but chickened out at the last minute. Whatever you want. I, how do I preach? Do we put stuff on the screen? Whatever you want. We can make that, yeah, whatever. We're so accommodating, but I need a little more direction. I'm a follower, you know, I'm one of those people who likes to be told where to go, what to do, how to fit in. You people who are good at paying attention to seekers, those who first come in, you're, you know that there are some who like to know how to fit in, that one of the reasons why some people hesitate coming to church is because they're afraid they'll do the wrong thing at the wrong time. They'll stand when they're supposed to sit or sit when they're supposed to stand or say something they're not supposed to say or sit in somebody's seat, for heaven's sakes, it's church. We don't know what's going to happen, so we, we want to be told. We want to have a voice to follow. It's inherent in all, even those free spirits among us who say, no, I don't want to be told what to do, but every now and then you like to be told. 
I mean, there were times they were directed. When I got here this morning, they were directed. They sent me down to the prayer room. Said, we don't want you out here with people. <laughs> so I went down. My son and I, we went down to the prayer room. I kept looking out. I went, I might, what? Looked at the altar. The Bible's open to a passage with the heading, Expiation for a Concealed Murderer's Sins. Am I, is there a message here? I don't. The other bit of direction that I appreciated was Brian when he first called me, Pastor Brian, when he called me, he said, we're preaching from the Gospel of John. Oh, great. What in particular? Whatever you want. <laughs> but, but it's all Gospel of John. We're, we're preaching from the Gospel of John. I said, I love, I love the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John's one of my four favorite Gospels in the Bible. I love it. I love, I love the Gospel of John, and I love the Jesus of the Gospel of John. The Jesus of the Gospel of John is the most philosophical, the most zen, right? He's always throwing out these things, long conversations in the Gospel of John, long, long treatises. Jesus is just talking. Jesus is a very talkative Jesus in the Gospel of John, unlike the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, Jesus is a blue-collar Jesus. He's a, he's a suburban housewife, Jesus. He's got stuff to do. He's always going, Mark's favorite word is, is immediately. Immediately, Jesus went and did this. And then when he did stuff, he had to groan. Just a lot of effort put into what he was doing in the Gospel of Mark. Different Jesus in the Gospel of John. Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew is the most Jewish of all of them. He carried around the Old Testament, King James Version. It had tabs. <laughs> so he could flip it open and show people. He said, there I am. Right? There I am in the Old Testament. It's me. It's me. He spent a whole lot of time in the Gospel of Matthew telling us who he was and how he fit into the prophecy, and it was all part of that. There's the Gospel of Luke's Jesus. The Gospel of Luke's Jesus is the one who wanted to increase the boundaries, wanted to open the doors, bring in the strangers, bring in the people that were out there. He cared. He loved. He loved all of the people who were hurting, who were needy who were ostracized, who had lived on the margins. The Gospel of Luke was about a Jesus who opened his arms. The Gospel of John's Jesus wanted you to think. That was all the same Jesus. It's just they had different ways of looking at him, different things that they heard. But I love John's take. I love how John loves to listen to Jesus and help us understand because there isn't a lot of understanding going on in the Gospel of John. <laughs> John's favorite emoji is the, right? Just to throw up the hands. We don't, we don't know. I don't get this. Half the conversations in, in the Gospel of John, particularly in the early part, are, are captured with this kind of gesture. What? I, I, don't, I don't get that. What, what is he trying? We'd say stuff, and they just wouldn't understand. So we'd say it again. Turn some things around. I want to read you some verses in the Gospel of John that have that same sort of process. Jesus tries to say something, tries to explain something, tries to describe something, and everybody goes, oh, what? So he has to do it again. We're in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John. First 10 verses, listen, if you would, for the word of the Lord. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. 
but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes in only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So again, Jesus said to them, you know, the first part, what he's telling about the shepherd and the gatekeeper and all that kind of stuff, you know that there were people in the back row going, what, what is he talking about? I don't, I don't, the gatekeeper? What's the gate? Is that like the key master? Vince Clortho, right? Okay, only a couple of Ghostbuster fans in the crowd. It's okay. The gate, I don't, I don't so Jesus, Jesus, it, John says, so again, Jesus said to them, if he was texting this, he would send the eye roll emoji at this point. And you can just hear Jesus' exasperation. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate. I am the gate, right? It's me. I'm the one. I'm the one standing here. I'm the one through whom you have to come. You get to come. I'm the one who's providing access to you. I'm the gate. Now, we love talk about gates. Particularly, we love talking about gates when, when he, we also are aware of thieves and bandits. There, there are bad things out there. There are bad people out there. We want to know a, there's a gate. We want to know that, that there's a way to keep them out. And in fact, a whole lot of us would like to sign up for gate duty, right? I want to create a gate so I can keep out the people I don't really want in. And we do that in our own lives. We, we create a sense of saying, okay, I'm staying away from you. I'm not listening to you. I'm keeping you at arm's length. We want to be the gate. Except if you listen closely, Jesus didn't say, you are the gate. He didn't say, let's create a gate. Let's have gated communities. No, no, he says, I'm the gate. You hear what he's doing in all of that? I'm the gate. Therefore, I'm the one who decides who's worthy and who isn't. That's not your job. We don't get to say to anybody, you're not worthy. You don't belong here. You're not good enough. That's not our job because Jesus says we mess it up. Well, actually, what he says is we know the difference. Do you get the feeling that at the beginning part of this story, Jesus is giving us more credit than we deserve? They won't follow a stranger. They only follow me. What he's doing here is he's not describing a reality. He's describing a vision of the kingdom of God. When we get there, <laughs> when we get that far, when we, as John Wesley said, enter into a process of sanctification, when we, as we in the United Methodist Church say, are being made into disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, then we begin to recognize his voice above all other voices. But sometimes we're not always sure, and we end up following strangers so Jesus is saying this as an invitation, as an invitation to lean into his words and to what he's trying to do, where he's trying to take us, what he's trying to get us to understand, to lean in a little bit. And the promise is that we'll know 
salvation. That's one of those words that we Christians love but barely understand. Salvation. What is it? Salvation. For the most part, many of us think salvation, okay, that means I get to go to heaven. It's my ticket. But Jesus never describes salvation in that way. Jesus describes it in a different way. It's a way of living today. It's a way of living right now. In fact, at the end of the text for today, he says it's a way of being alive. I have come, he said, that they, and that they in this case is you, is us, is me, is anyone, everyone who chooses to listen to his words. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. What a promise. What a gift. One of the things I got in an email is a, is a running order of the service. Man, you guys are, are scheduled here when that's going on. Although I did notice that you didn't really watch the times on it, which is good. I feel better about that. You just do what you do because we're in worship and time doesn't matter. We've moved out of that and now we're in this space where it's us and God and we'll take the time we need to do what we need to do. But in, the, in that running order, there was a typo. I hate, I hate people who point out typos, Right? I was a pastor for a long time. I had people in the congregation who loved to show it when I had a typo in the bulletins, right? I hate pointing out typos, but this was a great typo. It was about the anthem. There was a typo in the anthem. Now, Debbie's back there going, oh, no, I messed up. He's going to get me. No, no, it was, it was excellent. I thought she did it on purpose because the title of the anthem was not lift us up. How's it go? What's the title? Lord, lift us up. It said, Lord, life us up. I read that and thought, wow, that's an amazing anthem. I can't wait to hear, Lord, life us up. That's why we come week after week. Lord, life us up. Bring us this life, this abundant life. That's why we're here. That's what we're about. That's what we want when we gather in this space. We want to be lifed up. So we come in. Jesus says, they will come in. That's the promise. They will come in. They will come into a space where they'll be welcomed, where they'll be loved, where they'll be included, where they can find their own way. They can find everybody who smiles. Thank you, Lenora, for describing this congregation as a way of saying we're all, everybody's friendly. That's who we are. That defines us. We love being in this space. We love being connected uh, virtually for those who are watching at home. You're a part of us, too. Don't feel like you're somehow lesser. I know we, we like the hands-on. We like being able to be face-to-face. But however you're here, you're here. You have come in. Thank you for that. We want to come in. But you know what else Jesus goes on to say? He says they will come in and they will go out. We can't live in here. I know I'm a pastor. I felt like I lived in the church most of the time. Some of you workers on the staff and others who are here all the time feel like, oh, yeah, I live here. This is my home. But we don't. We don't live here. Jesus says that. He says, I am the gate. Anyone who enters by me will find salvation, and they will come in, and they will go out. And what's amazing about the going out is that they will go out and find pasture. See, we think we come in here to be fed. And that is a part of what's going on on the, on the coming in. And if you don't think so, then you need, you need Adrian. Adrian? What, I forgot her name. The hospitality person. 
She brought us a plate of stuff. Reese wanted to bring it in here to the sanctuary. So I love to keep eating stuff. We do eat when we come. We are fed when we come in. We, do, we are sustained and strengthened and all that when we come in. But we also are fed when we go out. It's not a desert out there. It's the world. And we sometimes think that it's the opposite of God. We've got church. We've got world. We've got faith. We've got, we've got bad stuff. But no. Remember. Remember. It's also in the Gospel of John. God so loved the world. The world that God loves is out there. When we go out, we find pasture. We find ways of sustaining ourselves because you know what? He's out there too. Maybe in surprising places, in surprising people. He's out there too. Ready to sustain you, to feed you, to meet you, to to find you. Maybe in people who don't even know that they're speaking for the word of God. That they're sustaining you, that they're giving you strength. Frankly, sometimes I think it's a bad idea on God's part. I'd rather it be confined in here so we know where to come. But God uses strange people. I, I hate it when my wife sounds an awful lot like God. When someone you're not expecting breaks open the bread of life and you feast and are sustained and supported and strengthened, Lord, life us up. When we go out into the world, when we interact with people, when we share what we've been given, when we, when we become a light for the whole world, that's what we were celebrating over here. No, over here. I got turned around. Cedric. Cedric, what an amazing name. Thank you for, for Cedric. I'm not going to run into many Cedrics out there, I don't think. But Cedric is now a bearer of light. Oh, he doesn't know it yet, and, and it's going to be through his family for a while, but, but he is a bearer of light, just like you are a bearer of light, a bearer of God's Word. But here's our task. Finally, we get around to what the topic is supposed to be about. Here's our task when we come in. We're supposed to listen to his voice. And in order to listen to his voice, we've got to learn what he sounds like. We've got to learn how to recognize Jesus' voice, whether it's in here or out there. Whether it's in us, in our texts, in our books, in our study, in our, in our Sunday school classes or our, our small groups, in our fellowship time, or whether it's out there in surprising places. We need to be able to learn to recognize that voice when it comes. That's why we study That's why we listen, because we're learning how to recognize Jesus' voice so that when he speaks, we can follow and not follow the stranger. When he speaks, we'll know that it's him who's calling us into this salvation thing, this life thing, and not someone who just wants our own destruction. And the painful part about that is that sometimes it is the people who try to use his name but are not speaking his word. That's part of our task today to sort out who is really speaking. Is it Jesus Christ? Or is it a twisted view of nation? Or power? Or self that gets in the way? So, we learn his words. That's why we read, that's why we preach, that's why we think together. We learn his words, who recognizes words. But we need more than just the words. 
We need to recognize his tone. You know, I'm not a sheep farmer. never have been a sheep farmer. But I suspect sheep don't understand English all that well. What they understand is tone. What they recognize, what any animal recognizes. We have 72 cats and 13 dogs. No, it's only one dog and two cats, but sometimes it feels like. <laughs> and they know tone. Many years ago, when I first started in ministry, we had a collie dog who was annoying as heck. He was a pup. We got him as a pup. He would chew everything up. He, we have furniture that still bears the mark of that dog's teeth. Um, and he was always a lot. He was a collie pup. You know, he, he was just bouncing and jumping and climbing all over. You walk in the door and he'd meet you at the door just all over the place. And one day as a pastor, I went to the hospital. I spent time with a woman as we watched her husband die on the hospital bed. And it was the first time that I had ever been in that presence. So I had been to funerals, presided over funerals, and, but I'd never been in the room until that moment many years ago and watched life tick away because of the machinery that he was hooked up to. It told us very clearly he was on his way out. And we walked through that, and then after he died, they wheeled him away, and she says, I don't know what to do now. She wanted someone to follow. She wanted someone to, to tell her what the next steps were, so we talked about what would come next and how we would proceed. And then I went home, carrying the weight of life and death on my shoulders. And that little collie pup did not come and jump. He just came up beside me. And when I sat down, he laid his head on my lap. Somehow he knew that I was carrying a burden that I didn't know what to do with in that moment. And so he came alongside and said, I'm here too. Sheep don't understand English, but they understand tone. And when Jesus speaks with a tone, we understand that. We're about, about to walk with Jesus through some of the heaviest times of his earthly life. And we're going to walk with him all the way to the cross. Not because we understand it, not because we have figured out what all of that means, even though we've wrestled with it and we have some vague understanding about what's going on, but we don't even really know. All we know is that we want to be there with him put our head on his lap as he carries the weight of the world of life and death on his shoulders. We want to be there with him because we recognize tone. And his tone is one of love and invitation and hospitality and welcome. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I am the gate. Those who enter by me will come in. Will come in and find life. Lord, life us up.
So we need to know his words. We need to know his tone. And we need to know his intent. His intent. His intent is that we have life. Not that we come and sit, but that we come and sit and then go. We go and live. We live a life of abundance. We live a life of joy. We live a life of hospitality and welcome. We live a life of inclusion and grace. We live a life. Wherever we are, whatever we do, whether it's in our daily jobs, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our neighborhoods, our schools, our work, our play, whatever it is, we live that life. That's what he wants us to do. To know all the grace of life. That's what a sabbatical is about. I got to do the sabbatical that Pastor Brian is doing right now. I got to do it a number of years ago. We went to Korea, where my children are from, and went to Scotland and spent some time there. It was, it was just great. So when Brian comes back from his goofing off, I mean his sabbatical, working hard for the Lord. You know, I'm also, is he's coming back on Palm Sunday? Is he going to come in on a donkey? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I kind of like to see that. <laughs> but my hope and my prayer is that he's coming back to life. The life that he experienced when he was out and, and testing God's waters in the world, but also life that is here that greets him, that welcomes him, that waves their palms and throws down their clothes and says, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're back because we want to go out again, out into the world to find pasture, to find sustenance, to find grace. We want to go out because Jesus invites us to go out. And that's the voice we want to follow. I have come, he says, that they might have life and have it abundantly. Lord, life us up. Shall we pray? Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks for this place, this place of life, this place of joy, this place of worship where we can gather and be sustained, but also for the world where we work, the contacts that we have, the relationship that extend beyond this building that bring us life and sustenance and grace. May we always see you at work in the world. So send us out in a moment, gracious God, ready to be light and life to all this world. In the name of the one who calls, and we will follow, Jesus Christ.